to it. Listen, I don't know. I don't know if it's because the lady at Dunkin' Donuts gave me an extra donut this morning or what. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I started weeping tears of joy when I got in here this morning. I was like, God, you are a faithful God. But I am jacked. I'm so excited for this morning. I'm so excited for this series on relationships. That's what we're starting today. And the reason that it's so important to talk about relationships, it's twofold for right now. The first is that we were created to be in relationship with God and with other people. And so we need to discuss what godly relationships look like and what they are. But the other part of why we're discussing relationships now is because the world and the enemy is attacking relationships like I've never seen before. It is wild how God is after us, I mean, the world is after us relationally, and God wants to restore those things. And so we need, we need to make a point of it. That's why, listen, when we promote impact groups, it's not, it's, I say it before, it's not just a formula we do because we believe in it because relationships are important and we're praying for impact groups and we're believing for all sorts of miracles and signs and wonders to happen. One sign and wonder that happened in our very first impact group this past week, we do food at ours as the, the Brummels lead it. And for, listen, a lot of us were getting to know each other for the very first time. Like, what do y'all want to do next week? Here's a sign and wonder. We chose right off the bat, breakfast for dinner next week. Thank you, Jesus. I loved it. A group of adults, yes, breakfast for dinner next week. It's going to be awesome. Like, there's a high level of maturity at our impact group. But it's awesome. We need to be in relationship with one another. That's why we were created. And when you drift off and get out of relationship, things happen that are not good. And when God brings you back into relationship with him, good things happen because that's why we were created. And so I am so excited this morning. Um, I was really approaching this sermon as more of like a teaching. Like we're going to break things down and kind of I was going to explain things to y'all like, like I could do that, right? But as I was, as I was preparing for it more and more, and I, I feel like what God wants to do this morning as we talk, is really to set some people free this morning in all different sorts of ways. Because what we're talking about this morning is not a relationship necessarily that even involves us, but it really does. It's all about us. But the, the relationship that we're talking about this morning is the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The relationship between himself and how that affects us and how we're included in that. But before we can get to anything else, we have to understand the ultimate relationship, and that's God within himself. And man, I'm pumped, because there are some awesome things in here that God wants to share with all of us this morning. And the first thing I want to do is talk about God. Okay, who is God? And it's very clear in the very first verse, in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1-1 really tells us all we need to know about God. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. He has been and always will be. It doesn't say in the beginning there was nothing and then God came along. It's in the beginning, God. As in he ordained the beginning. He created the beginning. The beginning didn't create God. Okay, and so there's always been God and with that, he created the heavens and the earth. Another way to uh, say that is God created everything. He created everything. And so with that, we know that God then has full authority over everything. Think about this, parents, in your house, you have your kids, right? You created those kids, right? They don't have authority over you. You're the creator of them. You tell them what to do, right? Well, we try. 
<clears throat> but the creator has the authority over the creation. And the difference between us and our kids, eventually our kids move out. They live their own lives and they have their own. But we never move out of God's creation. We're always in God's creation. And so we are always in and under his authority, which is a good thing. I had the privilege a couple weeks ago of speaking at Jack's United at New Life. And um, I shared this with them. And I want to share it with you all this morning because I think it's prevalent to what we're talking about. I said, I think we've overcomplicated some things as Christians, as the people of God. We've overcomplicated things. Because, yes, God is huge, and he's magnificent, and there's great depths to who God is in his character. And I'm not arguing that. The depths are so great that we will never fathom, we will never understand the magnitude of God, our creator. But there is also a beautiful simplicity to God, and that is this. Our God reigns. He reigns. In the beginning, God. And he has full authority. He has full power. He has it all. And a lot of times we forget that and we walk outside of that and we sing, yes, God, I'm going to sing these songs on Sunday. I'm going to have my quiet time. But when we get out of those places and we start living life and life starts throwing all sorts of stuff at us, we forget that in the beginning, God. We forget about his authority. And we start relying on ourselves. And we start taking possession of our faith with God in ways that we're not supposed to. And instead, we're supposed to give those things to him as our creator, as authority, as in the beginning God. And that is what he establishes right off the bat, right at the beginning of his word. Listen, in the beginning God. Okay, okay, that's all I need to know. Does it make sense to me a lot of times? No. Do I get what's going on here? No, but I know this, in the beginning, God. And here's what else I know, in the end, God. Okay? It's really, y'all, it's, it's broken my heart. It's made me mad. I've had to repent over seeing God's people in this past year not walk in the truth that in the beginning, God. There's been so much fear within the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about whether you wear a face mask or not, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real fear over what is going on and we have lost sight of the fact that God reigns. He reigns. It's not about Trump. It's not about Biden. It's not about a pandemic. It's about Jesus. And we know the answer there. He reigns. He reigns. In the beginning. In the beginning, God, that, listen, I'm, I'm not saying don't pray for our country, don't pray for what's going on, but do so with confidence. Amen. Do it with confidence, not with fear, because that's not scripture. Uh, all right, I'm a quarter through the first page. <clears throat> first Chronicles 29, verse 10. It says this, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. I love this part. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Y'all, I want our church to be a church that adores God. 
We adore him. That's why we sing songs like we sing this morning. We praise you. Great are you, Lord. We do that intentionally, by the way. We make sure to pick songs that exalt God because we want to be a church that exalts and adores him. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you alone for you rule over, there it is again, everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Is that not clear enough? Everything is under God's control. Everything is under his authority. Greatness, power, glory, victory, and majesty. All of it are under God's authority. That is who he is. But here's the thing. We hear that, and it can almost sound, because God is all these things, and he is, that it, God can become this incredibly intimidating thing in our lives. Like suddenly because he has all this power and he has all this authority and all this glory and all this honor and all this stuff that he is, that suddenly he's not approachable because he is all these things. And we get intimidated by him. But here's what we need to understand. It's not God who intimidates us. It's the sin in our life that intimidates us from God. Because if he is, he, he is great and he is marvelous, and he is all-powerful, and has all authority, but with all those things, you know what else he is? He's loving, and he's gracious, and it's all equal parts, all right? And that's the magnificence of God. We don't have to be intimidated by his greatness, because with it comes his love for us. And I believe that there are some of us in here that maybe even this morning, watching online, you had a hard time getting into worship because you're intimidated by who God is. But what we need to understand, it's the sin that intimidates us. Listen, Satan is scared and intimidated of God, all right? Sin is intimidated by him. So don't get it twisted. And we're gonna have time this morning, if that's you, if you're walking with something that you need to repent for, we're gonna have time at the end of the service today where you just come and just lay it before God. And rather than feeling that intimidation, when you approach him and confess whatever you're walking through, you know what you feel? You feel love. You feel wrapped in his good pleasure. You feel forgiveness. Because God in everything that he is with all his authority, he is loving to us. And here's the overall theme that I wanna talk about this morning. In all aspects of who God is, he is a generous God. That is our word for this morning. He is generous. And so if you've been keeping God at arm's length because there's something going on in your own life, you need to come clean. But know that it's not God that is, that is keeping you away from him. It's, it's the sin that we haven't brought before him. And I know that can, that can be touchy. and you, We're talking about, no. He's loving. And he wants to forgive you. He wants that relationship with you. And we see that here. Let's talk about the, how, what God originally intended with, how, with, with his creation with us. I want to go back to Genesis 1 and look in verse 29. And this, this shows God's character. This shows who he is. And it's verse, starting in verse 29, it says, Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given... Every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. 
And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he made, and he saw that it was very good. God's original idea, his original intent was to give us all that he had created, to share. Listen, God doesn't, God doesn't share in his glory, but he allows us to participate in it. And the creation is to his glory. But what he does is he says, here's my creation, go have fun with it. Go have fun with it. And so when we read here in Genesis 1, before the fall of man, his intention was to give. He's a God who gives. And I believe that there's a lot of us in here that need to hear that as well. God wants to give to you. Whether you believe it or not, whatever you're walking through in your life right now, and there's all sorts of stuff. Listen, I'm telling y'all, it's such a burden on me this morning. There is such a burden on me to share this with you all. I know that life is hard for a lot of us in here and a lot of us watching online. But God is a generous God. He is a generous God. And we see right off the bat with everything that he created, what did he do? He didn't say, hey, check this out. This is all mine. He's not the stingy kid, right? You know, the cafeteria, this is all my good food. And just keeps it and hoards it for himself. He says, no, 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 here, here, here. I'm generous with my full authority, with everything that I am, with all that I am. I'm generous with it and I want to give it to you. Why? Because I want to have relationship with you. Listen to, listen to this. This is, this is such a picture that, 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 that is just awesome. I want to read it this morning. And, and just listen to the words here in Genesis 2.10. It says, A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, I'm butchering these, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch called the Gihon flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch called the Tigris flowed east of the land of Ashur. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. Here it is. Check this out. The Lord God placed man in the, gar in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So all of this life, all of this beauty, all this gold and onyx flowed out of the garden. And you know where God put man? In the garden. He put man in the center of everything. Want to talk about a God who's generous? He put man in the best place. The best place. That is God's heart for us. To put us in the best place where life flows out of it. But what did we do? We messed it up. We messed it up. Sin entered the picture. Sin entered the picture. But God was not resigned to just throw in the towel at that point. He said, no. This is my creation. And he can't stop being who he is, which is holy. So sin cannot have any part in him. But he wasn't going to let sin ruin the intention of his creation which was to have relationship with us. And so being the generous God that he is, with his full authority, he said, now I've given you all creation. I've given you all these things to share with you. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give of you myself to restore what you messed up. Not what, we, not what he messed up. 
but what we messed up. Think about that for a second. I'm going to give of you myself. I put you in the best place and you messed it up. I'm going to give of you myself. So the second part, enter Jesus. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the introduction of Jesus is the same as the introduction of God. In the beginning. If you go back and read Genesis 2 when it's talking about God creating man, it doesn't say I will create man in my image. It says I will create man in our image. All right, in our image, meaning Jesus was there. He was in the discussion when we were being created. How cool is that? And then it goes on to say in John 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So we talk about this glory. We say that God doesn't share in his glory. All glory is his. So when it talks about the fact that they beheld his glory, this isn't a moment where God shares his glory with Jesus. That's not what the word is saying. What it's saying is Jesus is God and the glory is on him. And he's in the beginning and he is now and he is always. And so Jesus is the conduit of God's love and his faithfulness and his generosity towards us because there was no other way. And so he says again, I'm going to give you of myself. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give of myself so that we can have relationship again. And so that you can receive my generous love. That was the intent the whole time, all the way back in Genesis 1, to have relationship with us. And we messed it up and he said, I'm so generous and I love you so much. I'm going to give of you myself. And so that's why he sends Jesus. Here it is, verse 16, same chapter, keep going. From his abundance, we have all received, so he's giving again, one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. So in other words, in the, we have this old covenant, the Old Testament, there's this law that we cannot measure up to, in any way, shape, or form that tells us that. And so God sends Jesus and it's through Jesus, not through the law, not through being religious, not through doing this, that, and the other, but through Jesus alone because Jesus is God and that's the only way it can happen Amen. is how we participate and partake in his love and his mercy and his forgiveness so that intimidation that we feel towards the holiness of God because of the things that we've messed up in, we don't have to because of Jesus. He made the way for us to approach him. Listen, I, I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but lay it before God. The failures that you may have had even just yesterday, the things that you're beating yourself up over this past week, give it to the Lord. I'm telling please, please. Give it to him. That's why he sent Jesus. Stop beating yourself up. We've all been there. We've all been there. But that's not the Lord. He's generous towards you. 
And he's generous with his love and forgiveness. And we know that because of Jesus. Here it is, y'all. Matthew 27, starting in verse 35. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. I love this verse, this next one. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. What does that say about Jesus? That as he's literally hanging on the cross, that they're keeping guard? Think they're a little intimidated? A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Hmm. There it is. The, religious of the, the, the leaders of the religious law, the Pharisees, they say he saved others, but he can't save himself. That's truth. In order for God, for Jesus to save us, he couldn't save himself. If he saved himself, then he wasn't going to be able to save us. And so, yes, they had it right. They didn't know what they were saying. But yes, Jesus saved all who are willing because he didn't save himself. Not because he couldn't, but because he chose not to. Why? Because he's a generous God who loves you to the point where he gave of his life so that he could save others. It doesn't get more generous than that. It doesn't get more real than that. It doesn't get more relational than that. It doesn't get more freeing than that. It doesn't get more inspiring than that. Jesus as God, as in the beginning, as full authority, as creator of everything, gave of himself for us because our original intention was to be in relationship with him and us messing it up was not gonna fly he's like not on my watch I am gonna make a way so that we can walk in the cool of the day again so that we can talk again so that you don't have to be intimidated by my glory but you'll be inspired by it that is the generosity of Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 31 says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. There it is, that word again, gave. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. I'm losing count here, y'all. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. He gives and he gives and he gives 
and he gives. Anyone in here, don't raise your hand, need to receive something from the Lord this morning. You need to receive an answer. You've been asking God all sorts of questions. Maybe you need to receive some financial provisions. Maybe you need to receive a clean bill of health. Whatever it is, he's a generous God. And in a moment, we're going to take time for that very thing. To hear from the Lord. To ask of him, our generous God. But as Jesus died on the cross and was risen again, he did not stay. He had places to go. Back to his home. Back where it all started in the beginning. And it says in Acts 1 verse 4, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift. <laughs> he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So God, in his full authority, gives his creation to us, gives us his love, and when we mess that up, he gives his son to us. And then when his son goes back up to heaven, what does he do? He's not done. He gives us his Holy Spirit. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Think of, just, just pause for a moment and th just think about yourself. Right? Can we all just do that? Like, this is insane. How much God really loves us. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We mess up all the time. And God's like, I'm giving you me. I'm giving you me. I'm giving you me. And we doubt him. And we forget about him. And we make ourselves God in our relationship with God. And we worry. We fear. And all we read in the Bible over and over again is how much he gives us. And we don't believe it. He is such a generous God. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to walk this life out. And I want to look at the Holy Spirit through the eyes of Paul. And, and Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And he's, he's kind of approaching it as a preacher. But this applies to all of us in, in how we approach life. And it is so powerful how he sees the Holy Spirit in how he lives out the calling that God has given him. So let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Okay, this is, this is bold right here. This is big. And it's something that we all need to grasp because I think it's something that we wrestle with all of the time. Paul is saying, I didn't come to you with human wisdom and understanding. And here's why that's so remarkable. You know why? Because Paul was full of human wisdom and understanding. He knew the word. He was a Pharisee. He had grown up in it. So the fact that he says, look, I'm not coming to you with that. I'm coming just with my testimony. And he goes on to say this. Check this out. Um, as we go on in, in verse 2. Okay, it's the next, it's the next group, uh, Pastor Luis. For he says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay? So when we wrestle, when we wrestle with wisdom and understanding, what we're doing is saying that is more important than the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to see my wisdom on display. I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit on display. Listen, the second that I come up here on a Sunday and rest on my laurels, and what I think I know is the, is the moment that God's going to go, okay, done with you. Let's find someone else who's desperate for me. Because it's not about eloquence. Paul himself says that. Listen, you can get all sorts of dynamic speakers to come up here in a, in a band that can play all the right notes, and you might build something, but it ain't church. Okay? Paul is saying here that he is so, he actually, listen to these words. He says, in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, he came to this church. And it wasn't because he was scared to speak. He, his fear and his trembling came from a place of being so desperate that the Holy Spirit moved that that's what caused him to tremble, saying, God, don't make this about me. Don't make this about my wisdom and my words. This has to be the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit moves, we will see his power. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Let's just all take a deep breath. All right, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, that's what it's about. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit moving. And you know what's so awesome? God has given it to each one of us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Let's be after the power and not the knowledge, yes. all right? Yes. Let's be after that. Because I'm gonna tell y'all right now, if it was up to knowledge, I'm not your guy. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Listen, I was, I, I, I don't mean to keep singling him out in church, but I was talking to Ben, who just got baptized last week, like two weeks ago, I, after church, he was just peppering me with questions. Like, what is it? What, what about the, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, sorry. Like, I, you're asking stuff that's above my pay grade. I was like, go, go talk to Bruce Robbins or something, you know. Like, I don't know, you know. I hope to one day, and I'm going to try and find those answers. But I know that's not where the power comes from. The power comes from us just getting out of the way and letting the Holy Spirit move. And we're going to see signs and miracles and wonders. As sure as I am standing here, we are going to see it. And you're going to see it in your own life. But listen, y'all, we have to understand that it was in the beginning God, not in the beginning us. And we have to surrender to that. If Paul, if that was his approach, how much more so us? How much more so us? Okay. Ah. <sighs> Charles Spurgeon wrote, it is ours to speak the truth boldly. And in every case, we shall be a sweet savor unto God. But to temporize in the hope of making converts is to do evil that good may come. And this is never to be thought of for an instant. Some of y'all don't know what that means, right? I didn't, I had to look it up. I was like, that's cool. What does that mean? Uh, I'm gonna share it in church to sound smart. <clears throat> What he's saying here, when he says this whole thing about um, not to temporize, what he's saying is there, don't deviate for a moment off of what God is saying 
in hopes of trying to win other people. Translation, don't bend the truth. Don't bend the truth. Because he says to do that is actually to do evil. And so what we are to do is to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and not get in his way. And I'm committed to that, and I believe this church is. And God's going to move. He is going to move because that's who he is. He's a generous God. And he gives, and he gives, and he gives. All right. We're going to have the band come back up, and we're going to close and worship this morning. I want to say this one last thing, though, about wisdom of men. It's that if someone's faith is in the wisdom of men and not the power of God, then that someone can be persuaded into the kingdom of God by human wisdom, but they can also be persuaded out of the kingdom of God by human wisdom. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that wrecks us and that keeps us coming back for more and more and more. I'm going to read this verse as we get ready to enter back into worship. It's 1 Corinthians 2. Paul's still talking. It says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who, who by the way, y'all listen to this, who are coming to nothing. Okay, can we just remember that? Put that in a little side pocket there for yourself. The rulers of this age are coming to nothing. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Pretty clear. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now here, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Okay? God has given us his spirit so that we aren't directed by the spirit of the world, but that we are directed by his spirit. What, he's, what Paul's saying here is like, look, no one knows, for, for me, James, no one knows my spirit truthfully but me, because it's my spirit. No one knows the spirit of God except God's Holy Spirit. So if we want to know him more, don't you think the best approach is to receive the Holy Spirit? and let him guide us so that in tumultuous times, in crazy circumstances, that whatever the news of the world is saying, we can say, I'm not gonna be moved by the spirit of the world because I have the spirit of God. I have the Holy Spirit who will direct me. Let's stand up this morning. And I have a few invitations. The first, it's for those that have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you maybe you have been trying to do it all on your own and living this life that God never meant for you to live. And you've been carrying a burden of trying to earn your own salvation. 
and haven't really understood that God is a generous God and he has given it to you. It's time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He hung on that cross and he stayed there for you. Not so that you can get your act together first. Let's be clear about that. This room of those that have received Jesus, we're all the same. We were a mess. Then we received Jesus and he cleaned us up. None of us cleaned up our own mess first and then received Jesus. So don't get it twisted. Don't think that that's how it works. It does not. For those that need to receive the Holy Spirit, listen, we are a spirit-filled church, if you haven't noticed. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe, we, we lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. We cry out for the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. And we give Him room to move. I want to give you that chance as well. And what I also, the third thing I want to do is if you need to hear from God, whatever that is, I want, as we enter back into worship, for you to take this time to come to the altar. It is open. It is free. No one is going to judge you. This is a judgment-free zone. If you're watching at home, your living room, wherever you're watching, your bedroom, that's your altar this morning. That's your place. But for those in here, I want you to come up and kneel and get before the Lord and just have ears to hear what he wants to say to you. Let him be a generous God to you this morning. And I'm not even going to say specifics because I just, I know it. I know there's a lot of us in here that need to hear from God. Let's let him prove himself to be that generous God. Whatever you've been walking through, whatever situations you've been facing, whatever you may have been crying over these last few days, now is the time to lay it before God, who was in the beginning, who is now, and who will be at the end. That's what this is all about. That is the character of God within himself, to be generous. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now, Lord, for those that don't know you, that have never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, you gave us of you so that we could run to you, not in fear and trembling, like the Old Testament priests who came once a year in fear and trembling, but we come to you now, Lord, sprinting because you have made a way. You have made a way. So God, for those right now, I just pray, Jesus, that you give them the courage. And for those, if that's you in this room, if you're watching online, we're just gonna hang out here for a second. All you have to do, say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. It's that simple. Come into my heart. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that directs us, that empowers us, Lord, that, that is that little nudge. Sometimes, sometimes it's bigger than a nudge, but it says, don't go there, don't do that. Call this person, pray over this. You're that voice in our head and in our heart, that spirit that's directing us, Father. And we, God, we're so grateful for your Holy Spirit that we can listen to you and not the noise of the world. And you can direct us. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that is like Paul, that is so desperate for you, 
because you bring power, not our own understanding and our own wisdom. That is just eloquent words, Father. Help us to run after the power of your Holy Spirit. Both, I'm not just talking about in church, Father, but in our own lives, in our homes, with our kids, with our spouses, Lord, at work, Father. Everything that we do, Lord, we would ask that your Holy Spirit go before us. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just do an outpouring of your Holy Spirit this morning, however that looks. I don't even know, Lord, how you can do it. But for those of us that need it, God, I pray, Jesus, right now, that those of us in here would ask and receive your Holy Spirit right now, Jesus. If that's you, just ask. Just ask right where you're sitting. Thank you, Jesus. And if you need to come up to the altar this morning, if you need to hear from the Lord, come on up right now. Come on up right now. Don't hesitate. If it's your first time, never done it before, it doesn't matter. God wants to say some things to you this morning. He wants to heal you. He wants to reassure you that he is a generous God. Thank you for that, Jesus. Yes, Lord, move in here, God. Set us free this morning, Jesus, for those, God, that are carrying those burdens this morning. Yes, Jesus, speak to us, Father. Be that generous God, Lord. Move in this place, Father. We give you room. We give you room. In Jesus' name.